Welcome into the Sayer Auto Group Podcast. I'm Zach Bennett, Chris Sayer, Nick Sayer. We have a great episode here for you today. Uh, we bring on Tyler Porter from Porter Pro Media, talk about social media and what it means to be successful that way, what to post, how often, and what and some tips and tricks for you guys as salespeople. And then we bring on Dustin Fontes from the Dodge Store to highlight some of his success and how hard work has gotten him to be uh, where he's at over the last few months. That's all next here on the Sayer Auto Group Podcast. All right, so guys, before we bring on Tyler, uh, first things first, how was uh, the BMW Championship? They treat you well out there, Nick. You're gone for two weeks. Yeah, they weeks. wined and dined us, and <laughs> I feel like I've been gone for the month of August, and not sure if I still have a job or not. But <laughs> I told him it was fun. Yeah, he may come back to full mutiny over there. <laughs> <laughs> you but. leave the ship unsteered for long enough, you never know what you're walking back into. Yeah, huh? no, no, I was yeah. pleasantly surprised with our numbers. Like yeah. you guys did really good. Proud of the team. While we were gone, it was. It's good to see that. We had a good time, though. It's really fun watching people that are extremely good at something or masters, you know? Yeah. This time we got to spend quite a bit of time on the range uh, in a tent watching them practice before their round. And it was just really interesting to me how much they focused on the basics of golf. Like, they're just drilling down basics. They're not working on all these advanced shots you would kind of maybe expect a golfer to to work on a professional level, right? right? They're just doing basic fundamentals over and over and over making sure those are good i think we can all relate to that in sales as well and what we talk about but yeah nothing too crazy out there they're just very disciplined at doing fundamental drills um and then they go out and play their round and this probably took me by surprise the most but they then will go back and practice that's crazy and i mean you're talking five and a half hours of hardcore golf it's hot as crap out there and windy and, and it's rough you're i know from experience how tiring it is and then go, to go back and hit drills again it's just like that's dedication that's someone who's a master of their craft you know so yeah that was something that kind of stood out to me but it's like a, that's like a salesperson spending five hours with a customer getting the sale and then going back through the process and right trying to figure out maybe ways that they could have made more money for themselves you know or held more money on the trade you know just that's somebody that's like Chris had just dedicated to wanting to be the best, right? So, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. That's kind of a cool insight. So it's like I shouldn't go out there as a guy who shoots 120 and work on a flop shot. I guess is what you know. Work I mean, more on the base. <laughs> they eventually, I think, hit those, but yeah. those are not their primary concern. It's <laughs> it's like basic fundamentals, you know. So yeah, no, but I think that's like. Like we've talked about it plenty of times, but I think, like you said, Nick, you have an unsuccessful whether opportunity up, whatever you want to call it. And then instead of, you know, blaming it all on the cusp, be like, okay, was my mean greed strong enough? Did I use uh, the fact finding portion well enough to pair what is an emotional purchase, you know, and those things that really matter with the customer as opposed to, well, they weren't going to buy anyway. It's, you know, actually analyzing, okay, this is what I could have done in this situation to hopefully you know, hold more money or get them on the right vehicle that they fall, you know, better in love with. Well, and and you even have the leaders doing this. So those are the guys that really succeeded. It's not necessarily, oh, I really screwed that up. I need (laughs) to sit and think about it. It was like, I'm at the lead and the lead of this tournament. Let me go drill through and stay sharp and see, why did I succeed today maybe? Or like, you know, how can I fine tune these few areas? So that is something we could think about as a group, uh, especially in the sales teams is just, 
after each sale, why don't we sit down for a few minutes and kind of analyze how it went start to finish? Maybe what can I work on that would make it better next time? What yeah. did I do well as well? Like, why is this working? Cause I'm doing really good. You know? Yeah. No, I think that's a, it's so. always like the saying is like sales is great because at the beginning of the month you start over, but that's also why it's bad. Cause if you had a rough month, things didn't go your way, rough week, whatever, you're always on to the next one. But the same, like you did really well, you sold, you hit your goal. Well, how do you turn the page and replicate that success? And right. just by drilling mm-hmm. down all those simple things. That's, yeah. That's cool. I mean, that's crazy to go back after the round. You always think about before <laughs> to warm up, but. It's like the equivalent of someone like in the in the finals or whatever having a, a good good game, you know, hitting threes and going out there and just shooting it up after right. playing for three do. and a half you hours. You know they do though. I guarantee you they do. Yeah, like, it's like the the D'Angelo Russell meme that they kept going around after because he kept getting shots up after the Nuggets, <laughs> something like that, you know. But well, perfect. I wanted to ask kind of the I think it's a good segue into uh, just kind of a conversation piece I wanted to bring bring up with you guys and kind of see what your, your thoughts were. Um, it comes from the book, turn the ship around, uh, which the overview of it talks about this general who takes over the USS Santa Fe, which is a submarine who was last in all their measurables when it came to performance. Um, and so he takes it over. And one of the very first things he noticed was when he was kind of going around just to understand the layout of the submarine and understand the guys that were working in the various departments, he'd ask him like what they were doing and whether it was like defense or whatever they would list out, their job and they ask, okay, do you know why you're doing that? Do you know why your small role is important for, you know, the, the entire operation? And they would just say, no, I'm just doing my job. This is just where I was placed. This is what I was told to do. So I'm just doing it. And, and he identified that as one of the weakest or one of the biggest areas that lead to the downfall of successful organizations is when people fall into their process or their day to day and just it's monotonous to them and they just do it because that's all they've been told to do. And so instead of turning their brain off, you would teach them the why, get them on, pay, on, like, on the same page of why that was important for the overall success, and it turned um, over the entire operation, and they became the highest performing uh, submarine in the entire Naval Academy. And so I just want to open up that to you guys, is why just doing what you're told as opposed to understanding why it's important for the overall success, uh, like, you know, the importance of training, the importance of, you know, handling the meet and greet correctly. Like, you go down the list, like, why is it important to understand that as opposed to just doing what you're told because you just want to follow the order? Go ahead. Yeah, something, Chris. Um, I don't. I think we've probably all had jobs or been in situations where we've uh, probably been in that situation where we have a boss or a manager or a leader that um, one might be a micromanager or something like that and doesn't give you any authority to act with without. Um, asking or getting permission. Um, and that, I don't know, I've, I've had jobs like that when I was in college and stuff where, um, you know, I was an employee and I had a specific role on what I was told to do. Um, and it's just, I don't know, it's, it's doesn't, it doesn't create a very enjoyable um, atmosphere as an employee yeah. um, under a circumstance like that. Uh, you come to work, you do what you're told, you, you know, and, and there's just not, uh, like you said, that w- turns your brain off. You know, you're you're not really thinking, you're not really dedicated to succeeding or doing anything extra. You're just doing what you're told um, because you don't feel like you have the freedom to do anything else. You don't want to um, do anything wrong or, or yeah, you're nervous of messing up. And, and I, I think that it just creates for um, a culture that's not healthy. And it's probably, it's hard to keep 
keep interested in a job when you don't feel like you have any, um, you don't have any freedom to, uh, make decisions or do yeah. or, or things like that. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, it does create kind of a situation where you're not that enthused. I mean, I'm a person that kind of hates authority in general, <laughs> so <laughs> I can definitely relate to this. And I've tried to create a management team that does like take that seriously. The autonomous aspect of a salesman's position, he's, he or she is basically their own business in a sense. We're talking specifically about that role. So we want people that can think on their feet and make decisions and feel like they're running their own business within a business. Definitely. Um, it is depressing if you feel like everything's just drawn out for you, especially as you mature as an adult throughout your life and your career, you want more ability to choose. You want agency for sure. Yeah. At least in my experience, successful people want agency. They want to make decisions for themselves. And I think that's a good thing. And it, it, I hope that all our management team kind of listens to this and thinks about their style. Uh, if, if they're being too controlling or micromanager, like Nick said, we, we haven't seen a lot of good things come of that. And it's not that bad things happen either, but you'll be very mediocre. I think overall you'll kind of hit like your lowest level potential if you don't allow people to think and choose for themselves. So from the employee's perspective, look for ways that you can get better through making better decisions. Talk to your managers, see kind of where the lines are drawn because there are going to be things that we expect you to do uh, no matter what. There, there are processes, but... Yeah, we want to keep it flexible on both ends so we can improve and get better and think for ourselves, you know? Yeah, because the, the whole idea, you know, we talk about all the time, the assets, absence of a process is chaos. It's not that you go without them, but you understand why they're important to you. And so I think like in car sales, being one of the most, uh, like the highly, you know, it's important to have a relationship with every transaction you have with the customer because it is such an emotional decision for 90% of the people that buy especially when you talk like a new car. Yes, people have to have cars, but you know, all the stuff that comes with it, the massaging seats, the, the panoramic sunroof, that's not necessarily like when you dial it down, like a need, but it's nice to have. And so when you turn your brain off as a salesperson and just go through the steps, because that's what you just do day to day, the customer can feel that and you won't have the advantage of being a friend. with them. And so, you know, the importance of that we do it this way because that keeps everything in control and, and is the highest for success but you do it fully engaged and the reason why is because you want to develop a relationship with the customer. And this has been proven to be the way that gets you there the quickest. So it's not just so that, you know, you're told what they do on every step of the process, but it's because it's proven it works and you just have to put your own style and flavor on who you are as a person to better correlate with your customer. Yeah. I mean, the parameters are there, you know, everyone has a certain job requirements for responsibility, but, we're not here trying to breed robots, right? We don't, yeah. you know, that's not what we're looking for. Everybody has a different personality um, and different ideas that, uh, like what Chris was talking about, allow us to kind of grow. And uh, if you have ideas or thoughts of um, things to that you view as su successful or um, that might help, you know, like Chris said as well, you know, as managers, you know, it's our responsibility to to listen to our employees as well, um, hear their feedback and ideas, and um, it never hurts to try something, you know. Uh, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work, and we try something else. But um, I think the culture of, of uh, empowerment is so important 
especially in this day and age, um, nobody wants to feel like they don't have any authority or power where they work um, or ability to, to act um, outside of uh, the set parameters, you know. So uh, that's a culture that is very important to me um, and one that I'm trying to establish over at BMW and us as a whole at the Ron Sayre Auto Group is just the, you know, shifting that mindset of some of the long-term em- employees um, that, you, you, you know, you have – you have the ability to make decisions. You don't have to come and ask me for every, you know, little um, question or you're unsure about it. You know, it, obviously, if if you are unsure and need guidance or assistance, you know, I'm always happy to to step in and help out where I can. But I want to create uh, an atmosphere where my managers and my uh, employees feel empowered. Um, they're they're uh, happy to be where they're at. Um, they enjoy coming to work and and they they're um you know feel like they're a part of the team instead of just a minion you know being told what to do so yeah absolutely no i appreciate that um chris do you have any last thoughts on that or no i think we covered it pretty well yeah okay go out there and progress make decisions go awesome okay well i'll switch it over to tyler all right welcome back we uh brought in the legend so Tyler Porter, how you doing? From Porter Pro, give him a round of applause. Welcome thank you, on. thank you, thank you. <laughs> Thanks for taking time out of your uh, your schedule to come over. Uh, we kind of, I guess, a broad topic, and we'll, like, we'll have some questions for you, but want to just kind of talk about social media and the importance it is for um, salespeople. So I guess as like a like a real broad question, uh, how important has social media been for you in your business and your promotion of of what you've done, Porter Pro Media? Yeah. I mean, social media is a big part of who we are as a marketing agency, our identity. Um, and that's just because everyone's on social media, right? Like there's really no other platform that you can have that many eyeballs in one spot. And so for us, it's not necessarily that, you know, we're all in on social media. We're just wherever the eyeballs are. And currently that's on social media. It's just an easy way to, you know, reach your target audience. So, yeah. Um. So when it talks to like, like sales guys and I, you know, Chris, you've, you know, we've talked about this at length before, but how important it is for these guys to be connected with it and to be active in it. Um, what do you, what, like in a car sales sense, do you think would be most important for these guys to focus on uh, when it comes to like what they're posting, what they're trying mm-hmm. to achieve with having kind of that platform? I think there's a lot you can do. Um, but if I was, if I was a salesman right now in the car industry and in the auto industry, for me, it's all about providing value for the audience give them content they, that they want, right? It's not just enough to just post for the sake of posting, like actually post content that people care about, whether that's educational. I mean, sometimes you could be comedic with that, you know, whatever it is, something that's valuable. Um, but it's also a way to build trust with an audience, right? And when you're, when you're purchasing something, especially a large ticket item like a vehicle, like you want to be able to trust the person you're working with. And so I feel like social media is a great place to build that trust, get your name out, help people understand who you are, what makes you different. And separate yourself from other salesmen that are out there. Right. Cause at the end of the day, like you're selling something that they can buy somewhere else as well. Right. It's, it's not unique in that, in that matter. And so being able to build value in yourself and who you are and why people should trust you over someone else, I think is probably the most important thing in my opinion. Yeah. That's interesting. We talked a lot about trust last week and I agree with Tyler. I think that people want to deal with a personality, someone that they can be friends with. It turns into their guy. So when, you know, their uncle or someone says, Hey, I need to buy a Jeep or something. They say, Hey, go see Jesse, whoever. Yeah. Cause that's who we deal with and he's great. And then they could access that personality through social media. 
because mm-hmm. they can go look at Jesse's page and see he's got yep. you know funny jokes or he knows a ton about a Jeep. So yeah, I totally agree. As far as like platforms go, what would you suggest now? What's kind of taken off as far as reaching more eyeballs? Um, and then maybe talk a little bit about frequency. Like what should they be posting? specifically yeah. or, or how often should they be posting yeah. like what you mentioned? I mean, the platforms, especially in this area that people are focused on and that are using, I mean, Facebook's still a big one. It's still the most used platform of any social media wow. platform, despite what people are saying that it's dying or whatever. I mean, it's still <laughs> by far has the most active users. Interesting. Um, Instagram obviously is a big one, especially reaching kind of that younger audience. Uh, TikTok's a new one that I would definitely focus on, especially if you're trying to reach a younger audience there, but it is, I mean, more and more of the older audience is starting to use TikTok as well. So <laughs> I, wanna, I see my dad on there. I was so. say, like, before it was like, oh, if you want to reach 20-somethings, it's TikTok. But I mean, there are plenty of people outside of that age range that are using TikTok now frequently, right? And then I think another one is YouTube, um, especially YouTube Shorts right now. So if you're creating content for TikTok, you might as well be posting that on YouTube Shorts as well. Hmm. And uh, I mean, it's the second most used search engine outside of Google itself on the internet. And oh. So people are searching for questions. Um, specific to, you know, vehicles. If I'm, if I'm looking at buying a Jeep Wrangler or whatever it may be, I might go on YouTube and start figuring out different specs and different things that I want to know about that vehicle. And if you could be a local person on YouTube, you know, YouTube shorts answering those questions, well, you've pretty much won that business right there. Cause you're the one answering those questions for them before they even step foot through the door. You yeah. Know? So those are the big four. I mean, there's obviously other platforms out there, but that's where I'd focus my time. Question for you on that too. Uh, with those platforms, what's what are some ways or ideas to help maybe the sales guys um, with engagement? You know, once they post something, uh, sometimes I feel like it's hard to ever get any traction on your yeah. post or engagement. Um, any tips or advice on how to create engagement and then how to how to maintain engagement? Mm-hmm. You know, on posts. Is there any, any yeah. insight in that? I think there's a, there's a few things you want to look at. So first. Uh, having a good hook, right? Getting people to even pay attention to whether it's a post or video. Like if if I'm doing a static image, like what does that image look like? Is it going to grab people's attention, right? Is it going to communicate what I want to communicate in that image? Um, If it's a video, which you should be doing a lot of video, especially right now, social platforms are favoring video and those get more reach on average. Um, What am I doing in the first second to grab someone's attention, right? Um, You know, oftentimes if you go on the internet and research like, you know, having a hook in a video, say you need to capture someone's attention in the first three seconds, but I disagree with that. I think you have to do in the first second. Most people aren't going to give you three seconds if they're not interested in what you're, what they're seeing. Right. And so what am I going to do to grab someone's attention immediately? And then how am I, how am I going to continue to provide value to them throughout that entire video? Cause they're going to click away quickly if it's not interesting to them. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So having a good hook, I think is something you need to look at to grab people's attention. But like I was saying before, to keep them there, create content that actually has value. Um, Just showing someone a car. I mean, I can find that information anywhere on the internet, right? So that's that's not going to do much for me. But if you can give me some tips and tricks or things that I might not be able to find easily on the internet, I think that's going to provide a lot more value. And I'm going to be more likely to engage with that because it is something unique and different. And it feels like it's, it's, it's providing value to me as the consumer. Right. Um, and so oftentimes I think people post for the sake of posting It's like, Oh, if I just post a, a quick video of this vehicle, you know, I'm going to blow up on social media. That's not the case, right? Like <laughs> people have finite amount of time and then just look at your own behavior on social media. What are you engaging with? That's true. And I think you can use yourself 
as, as you know, a, a test to say, would I engage with this? And if the answer is no, well, your audience probably won't either, right? And so create content that would matter to you. And do, in doing so, it's probably going to matter to other people as well. And so yeah. I, I think yeah. that's important. That's cool. Like, I, like a couple of thoughts that come to mind is just, you know, a lot of the places you have, like the quarterly training, like, for example, I was looking at today for the sales guys and they have quarter four, they have a bunch of the 2024, like Ram, Jeep and, uh, you know, those type of vehicles, like what's going to be different, what's new mm-hmm. on them. And so, you know, that's like really good access to information that not a lot of people have. Yeah. And so if, you know, one of the first videos you decide to do is highlighting the difference between 23 and 24, what they're doing, that's going to be, you know, information that's going to be you exactly. know, pertinent and people are going to care about it. And then it's different from the fact that not a lot of people that are on social media, you know, doing those type of videos have access to that information mm-hmm. so i think yeah like you said being creative with that stuff and kind of thinking a little bit more outside the box that's yeah. that's cool i think you know with the internet you can't be surface level anymore as a salesman like that inter- that that information is already out there for people and they probably already know that information and so you got to dig deeper and and figure out what can you provide that's outside of just the regular stuff you're going to find on you know one of these manufacturers websites right. or whatever so. yeah so with Chris had asked that on the tail end, but so like frequency of posting, yeah. is it more important to be doing a lot or just being consistent and when you do it, which one are they both equally? I'd say being consistent is more. And when I say consistent, not necessarily like you have to be posting 10 times a week. Yeah. Um, I would never post to where, Oh, I just have to post 10 times a week. So I better come up with something and post, right. I'd, I'd go quality over quantity but still be consistent with that. Right. If you're posting once every few, few months, it's going to take a long time to make any difference. Right. Cause you just don't know what content people are going to respond to. And then sometimes something just takes off and you don't expect it. And so, I mean, I would be posting like minimum once a week if I was in their position. Right. Yeah. Um, if you can do more great, but again, make sure the content is valuable and you're not just posting for the sake of posting. Cause there is fatigue. And if, if you're constantly posting things that don't matter to people, they're going to unfollow you. Right. Yeah. So I think it's important to plan that out, pay attention to the audience and how they're responding to it. If people aren't responding to those posts, figure out why and, and continue to tweak until you figure out what your audience actually wants. Yeah. Seems to be like a, um, something that's evolved very rapidly. You know, it's yep. just like there's always something new that's hot, you know, that's popping. Mm-hmm. TikTok seems to be that platform right now. Yep. And within TikTok, you know, there's like, and always the new dances that come out, you know, yep. so it just seems to like, you got to be paying attention mm-hmm. and you got to jump in and, and be engaged. And, and I don't know, what's your, what's your thoughts on, do you want to just follow the crowd and, and do what everybody else is doing? Or, I mean, is it when, when should you do that? Or when should you try to differentiate yourself and try to do something yeah. different to stand out, I guess? Yeah. I, I think following trends is a useful part of your strategy. I think, pay attention to them. And if it makes sense to utilize that trend in something you're doing great, you know, people are responding to it and the algorithm is going to be favoring that as well. But at the same time, like if all you're doing is following trends, you're just blending in with everyone else. Right. right? And you need to be unique and be different and provide value that other people aren't providing. Right. And I think there's a huge opportunity in the auto industry because I don't feel like anyone's doing it well. Right. Yeah. For the most part, you know, I see, which isn't a bad thing again, mostly on Facebook, you know, we'll, uh, salespeople will just post with the client that just purchased yeah. a car, thanking them for their um, purchase and whatnot, which again, I don't think that's a bad thing, but nope. um, that's almost becoming like a standard. Now. Yeah. Like if you're not doing that, then yep. 
then you know you're you're way outdated type thing. But. And I agree, and I, I think that's something you can do, and I think it shows value in like the people that you're helping and people seeing that, like, oh, they had a great experience, yeah. and I might have one as well. Yeah. So I think that can be part of your mix. But if that's all you're doing, it, yeah. you're not going to stand out, right? Yeah. And like, because it doesn't matter to most people. Like, oh, cool, Nick just sold a car to someone, and they're happy. that means he's doing his job the way he's supposed to do it. Right. right? But what is he doing? That's different than everyone else. So yeah, I I think that could be part of your strategy, but I don't think it should be your strategy. It's just doing something like that. Yeah. I I've noticed myself lately. I won't even really give a video a chance unless there's actually like a text caption even. So like that's pretty popular lately of putting some wild, almost like clickbaity text <laughs> in it. And then I'll, I'll go and watch the rest of the video. Cause yeah. I'm like, holy crap, this caterpillar jumped 200 feet. I mean, stuff like that's that. your hook right there, right? <laughs> exactly. Like it, it gets you interested and you, now you need to know what happens. Right. And sometimes you get to the end of the video and you're like, why did I just spend so much time watching that? That was pointless. Right. Yeah. But it got you to watch it. And it so did. Yeah. I think that that's probably one can hurt way to hurt someone. Yeah. Like on Twitter two days ago, I saw, uh, I, I'm a big Dallas Cowboys fan. I saw um, somebody posted that uh, the new wide receiver on the Seahawks, uh, what's his name, Njiba or something? Uh, yeah, Jackson yeah. Smith Njiba. Uh, that he he roasted Trayvon Diggs, and I was like, "There's no way." And of course, I clicked the video to see who it was. Yeah, it wasn't Trayvon Diggs. It was like some fourth string. Uh, cornerback that the Cowboys had and I went to the comments immediately and everybody's like oh I fell for it too and the guy was like yeah I knew everybody would be clicking on this if I put it was Trayvon Diggs but engagement he bait, probably yeah. lost all trust after that post as well though so there's, yeah. probably, there's probably and a you know medium. for a blog or news article or thing like that can work well but like you know with a salesman if you're if there's this little hook and you know right uh I I wouldn't do that <laughs> you're going to lose people's trust and, bait and the, switch. The, the whole bait and switch. I, I think you need to make sure, you know, you're building value and trust in who you are yeah. and not trying to scam people because I think, you know, salesmen carry that reputation. People look at them as they're going to be slimy salesmen and do whatever they can to get the sale. And so I think if you can combat that and create content that shows you're not that type of person, I think that's extremely valuable. Otherwise you fit into that stereotype, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We have cool stuff too. That's, I, I think pretty widely unknown that you could kind of hook people with like the Easter eggs on Jeeps. Yeah. You know, they have those little symbols or hidden things in the windows. You could kind of bait that and then talk about, you know, a lot of the other features as well, but just yep. here's secrets to your Jeep and show the uh, yep. little cave mat or whatever it is, a uh, Sasquatch on yep. the back window, like stuff that just people don't know about. Our brand loves entertaining people. So. Yeah. With, uh, use that to your advantage yeah exactly <laughs> so with like video and photo editing it can be pretty intimidating with yeah. how complex it can get yeah are there apps or maybe places to go that simplify some of that because obviously with the salesperson time is important and no, not spending so many hours editing mm-hmm. videos obviously but are there things or tools out there with smartphones and stuff that make it a little bit easier to get some of that done? Yeah. I mean, there's hundreds of apps for video editing and, and photo editing. I mean, a popular one that people use with TikTok is CapCut and stuff like that. And so, I mean, if you just do a simple search on the app store, there's so many that have reviews, right? And I just wouldn't let that kind of stuff intimidate you. Cause at the end of the day, like you can get super fancy with your edits, but if your content's still not of value and it's still not interesting and entertaining or whatever, you know, informative, um, people still aren't going to watch. Yeah. And so I think 
what you need to focus on more is the story that you're telling and, and the information that you're providing. And that's the most important thing. And people are okay with lesser quality if it's, you know, educational or, or providing value to them. And so, mm-hmm. I mean, and then as you get better at it, you can fine tune that and make it better quality, which also helps, but I would focus more on the content you're providing more so than how you're editing it together. Right. Okay. Yeah. We should think about a lot of the questions we receive, which probably we could make up a, entire page of frequently asked questions yeah. and then you know help the team just make videos based on those because yep. we yeah we get bombarded with questions especially like zach was saying we have new model video training we'll have a load of people coming in over the next couple months saying like what's the difference between this laramie and the 24 <laughs> yeah know, it'll be the same stuff we just hit but it there's on. a so, reason people are asking that because they want to know right and so it, why don't you create content around that because there's other people out there that have that same question and I mean, you can do that on a local level, which I definitely would, but you can also look at Google search trends, right? Yeah. Like that's, that's data that's accessible. You can go on the internet and look at what people are searching for. So if you're, if you put something in about the new Laramie or whatever it may be, you can see what people on Google are searching for specifically to that vehicle and create content around that as well. Like, How do you do that? Is there like a specific area? If you that- just, if you just go on Google, I can't remember exactly, um, but it, if you just go, just Google, Google search trends and then you can. It'll literally provide all that It'll data for you. you. Okay, yeah. cool. Like when we're building SEO strategies for companies and stuff, where we look at all that stuff and take that into consideration, right? And we mm-hmm. create content around that as well because people are searching for it. Your YouTube videos and stuff can rank. And if you're creating content that answers those specific questions, now when people are searching that on Google, now you're, you're jumping up, up yeah. right? So that's um, a good point. There's, there's a lot of tools and assets available that are, don't cost a penny, right? That you can pull from and figure out what people are wanting to hear more about and what they're searching for and just create content around that. I mean, that's where I'd start. Yeah. And it's a good way to differentiate yourself uh, and run your little business within a business. Like we've yep. talked about, you create that page that hits the questions and has those catches uh, hooks. Yep. Yeah. It's a huge way of self-promotion and promotion of the dealership in general, but yeah, I like it. That's cool. My last question would kind of be on duration. Is there two different yeah. types of videos and like how long you should be shooting for? Uh, I guess it's probably depending on what you're trying to achieve with the video, but yeah, there are a million different opinions on this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't say any are necessarily hundred percent correct uh, because at the end of the day, you're going to watch something if it's entertaining and you'll continue to watch as long as it's providing value and you're going to click away the second it isn't. So keep them short, short enough to where you're not dragging on, but don't like stress too much. Like it has to be exactly 15 seconds or else it's not going to perform. Right. Like someone will watch a 19 second video. If it's something that's valuable to them, right. It's providing some sort of value, whether that's entertainment or education or whatever it may be. Um, but yeah, I mean, keep them short because most of the time, if you're trying to do a four minute video about something, you're probably going to end up rambling too long and you're going to lose your audience. So yeah, just make sure it's jam packed with valuable information. And, if, if you feel like it requires four minutes, split it into eight videos and make a series around it. Right. Yeah. Keep people coming back. Like, <clears throat> but, but yeah, it, the sweet spots anywhere from like 15 to 30 seconds, 45 seconds. Um, but again, don't feel like you have to follow that rule because we've had videos that have performed extremely well that are several minutes long, you know, yeah. but it's because the subject matter is interesting to the audience and they're paying attention. So. 
I think it's really good because like if it's like eight things on this Jeep, you know, using Chris's example, instead of just doing eight long and maybe the six one's the most interesting to most people, instead mm-hmm. of burying it down in the th- four minute video, you break it up and that's the one that reaches and then yep. it draws people. You just never know, like you said, what's going to kind of catch on and, and become the thing that, you know, gets the views. And yep. so breaking it up gives you just, I guess, more swings uh, at the opportunity. Exactly. Of like instead of doing content. one and putting all your eggs in that basket and hoping that video performs well, well, now you're just giving yourself eight more chances to That's for right. one of those videos to perform well, right? So yeah. you're just increasing the likelihood that one of those videos will catch and yeah. blow up, hopefully. So Yeah, that's a good point. I like that. I was trying to think how to word it. I have one more question for you um, for me. Um, just starting out, I guess, is it how important is it to um, understand who your target audience is and how to create content that uh, is going to captivate or catch the attention of that audience opposed to just um, blindly putting out, you know, content and you don't know what that target, what, who you're even trying to reach. Mm-hmm. Uh, does that make sense? That yep. question there? hundred yep, percent. Um, I think it's a hundred percent crucial to be successful, um, with any marketing tactic, you have to know who you're talking to. Right. Um, because if I'm targeting a mom <clears throat> versus, you know, a, a teenage kid, like those are two completely different right. messages and they care about two completely different things. Right. And so I think, before we ever form a marketing strategy with any company we work with, I mean, there's at least several weeks that go into research on their target <laughs> audience and secondary audiences to really understand who they are. Um, so that way we can start off on the right foot. And then from there, you know, we'll, we'll tweak as we go as things are successful or aren't successful and mm-hmm. then figure that out. But like, if we were just to say, Hey, let's just put something out there and then we'll start figuring it out as we go. Like, that's just not a way to set yourself up for success. And, you're trying to talk to everyone, you're talking to no one. Right. And so figure out who it is that you're talking to. And that's not to say you can't have multiple audiences, right. But great content that's specific to certain audiences and test those. And, you know, if you're, you're selling a certain vehicle, that's maybe, you know, a younger audience Mm -hmm. towards a younger audience, create content specific for that. And then you have a, whether it's a truck or whatever it may be for an older audience, then create content specific to that. Right. Like you can have multiple strategies within that, but you absolutely have to know your audience and understand what their interests are uh what what gets them to purchase a vehicle whatever it may be i think if you don't know who you're talking to you're not going to be successful uh, yeah so and, and around that so as a salesperson you know as we kind of talked about everybody kind of has a different personality and you yeah. and as you talked about um a little bit uh just think for a second you know what kind of stuff interests you what kind of content grabs your attention yep. Um, and then maybe focusing on creating similar content yourself, yeah. right? And then put your own spin um, on Because as a salesperson, obviously, you know, we sell cars to all types of different people. Um, but within our, your own social media page, I guess that was some part of my question is, do you think it's better to just figure out what your niche is and what your, uh, what your target audience is and, and focus more on that opposed to, um, you know, just trying to, trying to capture everybody because yeah. that's impossible to do, I think. Right. Um, as much as you, you probably want to capture, um, everybody's attention. That's probably just not going to happen. Not everybody's going to be drawn to your personality or yep. your, that's okay. Um, your, uh, yeah. What, what you think's funny or not funny or whatnot. Um, so yeah, that was kind of part of my question. You think for somebody starting their own, um, um, 
page you think that they should dial in more on on what they think um tailors to their niche or their type of thinking yeah i think so i think people want to work with someone that's authentic right and if they feel like you're inauthentic they're not going to want to work with you and so i think you just need to be yourself and yeah you're not going to attract everyone that's just the reality of it and that's okay yeah right um but if you're trying to be fake and, and people will see right through that quickly. Yeah. Right. And then you're going to come across as that, you know, slimy salesman and <laughs> no one's going to want to work yeah. with you at that point. So just be yourself and the people that you have the best chance with and that you're going to be able to help are the ones that are going to be attracted to. Right. And so, I mean, there's, there's enough people buying vehicles out yeah, there. You don't need sure. to try to yeah. capture every single one cause you're not going to. <laughs> so. Well, and you can, I think you could look specifically at each model of vehicle. I, I think about our brand. And you could kind of take it from that perspective. Like, let's look at the Pacifica. Who's generally buying this Pacifica? Well, it's a mother with children. Yeah. Well, what are they concerned about? They're concerned about safety most of the time, you know? So let's go through, if we're looking at Pacificas today, which we do expect everyone to sell all our vehicles. Sure. Let's look at the Pacifica and its safety features and go through all those. Because that's what matters to that audience. Right. So if you, maybe we should look inward to when we're making these and, and start with, okay, I'm going to highlight, you know, the specificas or, or the challenger today. Who's likely to buy a challenger? If you don't know that, ask your managers. Figure we that have out data. before you start creating yeah. content. Yeah. We have data points that show kind of demographics and different things of who buys what, and there are trends. So ask your managers if you're wondering, like you don't have experience wondering who would buy this or who's most likely to buy this, and then center it around that maybe. Yep. Maybe that'd be an easier approach in the beginning. Yeah. And I think it goes back to kind of what we opened the podcast with of, you know, just posting on social media just to post isn't going to achieve the results. And you've touched on that a ton, Tyler. And I think being dynamic and realizing that someone who's looking at a Ram Bighorn, like 2,500 versus who's looking at, you know, a Wagoneer, those are two completely different people. Um, and so the way that you approach those videos are going to be different in that style as well. Like yep. a 2,500 is going to warm, you know, towing capacity, all that stuff, where a Wagoneer is going to be about the fact you can get massaging seats. and yep. And highlighting that and approaching even your tone of voice and, and the style of video differently is going to be crucial for it to actually have the success that you want it to. For sure. Yep. Yeah. If I was approaching this as a salesman, where I'd start is I would look at what are people searching for? What, what information do they want? I'd create content around that. Right. And then I would also on my socials, I would post about who I am outside of work too. Right. To build, you know, trust in me as a person, like people want to work with someone that they can relate to. Mm-hmm. So if I'm big into fishing, I'm going to post about that sometimes, you know, if a family is something that matters to me and I have a family, I'm going to post about that sometimes. You don't have to expose everything you do and your family on socials, but you can still show people who you are as a human at your core because yeah. they want to work with someone they trust. Like, yes, you're a salesman, but you're also a human being with interests. So <laughs> right. show the, show that off because that's who people relate to and they're going to be more likely to want to work with you if there's, you know, some sort of relatability there. So yeah, I like that a lot. Perfect. Sweet. Well, thanks, uh, Tyler. Yeah, thanks for um, your appreciate, insight. Appreciate you coming by. Um, thanks for having me. Yeah, uh, you're the man. Appreciate it. Thanks, bro. Let's go. <laughs> so we'll send it over to Dustin and highlight the success that he's had over the last few months. Sweet. Thanks, Tyler. Cool. Yes, sir. All righty. Thanks uh, for Tyler uh, for coming on the podcast. We now have the wonderful Dustin Fontes. Dusty, the man, the myth, the legend from the Dodge store. Thanks for coming by, brother. You got it. So I wanted to bring you on. I just wanted to talk about with you. Um, I know a few months ago we had a, a great conversation and you set a goal and you just said, I don't care what it's going to take. I'm going to make sure that I get it done. 
And ever since then, I feel like you've worked extremely hard to make that happen. Um, and although you've fallen short some of the months in terms of your overall number, the effort has never kind of wavered. So I just wanted to ask you, and I think it's a good example uh, to a lot of the sales guys, but what was kind of the shift you made in your mind and, and how do you feel it's helped you be successful the last few months? For starters, in some of the sales meetings we've had, uh, you know, Rick has always preached, uh, ignore, not ignore, but don't stress over uncontrollables. Uh, for whatever reason, I, I struggled to accept that uh, for the longest time. But uh, as you have said, you know, in recent months, you know, I certain things are what they are, whether it's rates or the weather or whatever. And, and uh, you know, there's a lot of places these people could stop at in town. And they're coming over here on the west side of town. There's nothing over here other than us and a couple other dealerships. But they're here for a reason. and. Uh, just take it for what it is. I like that a lot. And I forgot to intro you, but if you want to tell us a little bit about yourself, you're married, have a few kids. Last I was checked, last I checked, I was married. I have five kids. <laughs> see what papers come through. Now. Yeah, see yeah. what papers come in the mail today. Um, <laughs> born and raised here. Um, good place. There you go. Nice. How long have you been working here, Dusty? Uh, it's about three years, just a little over three years. I started uh, in, I think it was March of March or of 2020 nice and you did car sales before though right mm -hmm. or is this yeah. okay yeah i worked in boise for a little bit okay how's your experience been working at the different uh locations just you know i i've been able to see two completely opposite sides of the way dealerships are ran the my fa single favorite thing about working here is the trust that i feel management puts in us do not micromanage. You know, we all need to coach. We all need to manage. If, if we were perfect salesmen, we wouldn't need you guys to help us. You know, we wouldn't need general managers or sales managers. But we're not perfect, and we need help, and we need coach. But I've worked at other dealerships where it's, it's almost as bad as the military where, hey, you know, <laughs> you got to be here. You got to uh, be here at this certain time. You're not taking time off. I don't care if your dog got hit, your wife got hit, or whatever by a car. You're here. No excuses, nothing. And so I think that style tends to make salesmen have a prisoner-type mindset. And so here I just kind of feel it's, a, it's a, you know, a system that's um, definitely more comfortable. And I, I think you get more out of people when you do it like that. Well, wasn't set up to be this way, but that's funny because that's, that's kind of the topic that we started out talking about today. Uh, Zach brought up. From a book that he had read, um, you know, it was, um, what, what was it that you said there, Zach? Or what was the yes, quote? Uh, it, the idea of like, um, you, if you, if all you do through work is just do what you're told right. and you're not actively understanding the why behind it, then ultimately you're going to fail or the organization mm -hmm. is never going to perform. It may be fine. Like, like you said, <laughs> it may perform at like the bare level but it's never going to exceed or reach the higher, higher right. levels because everyone's brain is shut off. And like that military approach, you don't think you just do and you don't react, you, just, you know, go through the motion. So no, I think that, <laughs> I think that it's funny that you brought that full circle with doing this <laughs> right. at the very end. Yeah. It kind of came to that. That's so, cool. Um, so what I wanted to, another part I wanted to touch on Dusty is so, you know, numbers goal, you haven't hit it every single month, you know, since you've made it your full focus, just the, to be here, be engaged, and to work hard. 
how have you felt though that you know because we've had the conversation it's not a failure that you didn't hit it but how have you been able to pull success even though maybe the goal number of sales you wanted to hit didn't actually get there but i would call your past three four months a, a, a great success how have you been able to make that distinction as opposed to being like i still haven't hit the goal none of this is worth it if i can't so in a book by uh, Michael Jordan, or no, 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 I think it's Kobe Bryant, actually. No, not Michael oh. Jackson. <laughs> Kobe Bryant. Um, he talks about setting goals that are, that are high and somewhat pretty darn difficult to achieve. And uh, the idea behind that is, one, if you set a high goal that, that requires some serious effort, then, then you're going to end up in a really good spot. If, if you just set your goal for five cars a month, there's really not much effort put into that. I yeah, mean, yeah. technically, you could five, find five spoons if you wanted to. I mean, really. Mm-hmm. And, and there's no reward. There's no, there's no Growth. sentimental value to that. Yeah. Um, if you set your goals high, even if you even doubt yourself that you're going to make them sometimes, It's going to require you to do things on your own. You know, there are some people who rely on things done for them. And there, there's no love in that. There's no, no passion. There's no, you know, law of harvest, I guess you could call it. It's just uh, what you put into it. And um, Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, you know, some of the greatest basketball players ever who are much better than LeBron James has, uh, <laughs> you know, hey, I can't tell you how many times I failed. I mean, Michael Jordan's missed so many last second shots, but without failure, there's, there's, uh, no room to grow. Yeah. Nice. Have you always been a goal setter or is this kind of a new, uh, new thing you've started the past few months, um, to help you achieve your, the success that you've been finding? Uh, I've, I, I think I've always been a, uh, a goal setter in my uh, life. I think one thing that has been different now is, more emphasis on the journey getting there, you know, Hey, I got to go on a trip. I got to go to Salt Lake. Okay. Well, I, okay, where do I go? How do I get there? What do I got to do? You know, um, you know, in high school, Hey, I want to make the basketball team or I want to do this, but what did I need to do to get there? Mm-hmm. Um, that journey wasn't emphasized okay. until, you know, recently as in a couple, you know, two or three years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And we kind of touched on it last week, but the, the quote I'd love when it regards to, you know, love falling in love with the journey is the, the person who loves walking is go farther than the person who loves the destiny. If the only thing that's, you know, tying you to goal setting or to your goals is just the fact of getting there, eventually, um, once you get there, you can find a place of complacency. But if you love the process, if you love the day-to-day, um, not necessarily if you love it, but if you're tied to and you're disciplined to it, then ultimately you're going to achieve a lot more than the person that's always setting out another goal. Uh, because they're usually going to start getting real comfortable with that, get complacent with the success they had, and ultimately, um, you know, they're not going to reach the heights that you can if you if you love the monotonous process. So, I think that's really good. Um, you have any other last thoughts there, Nick? Or question? Um, just accountability. You know, uh, sounds like some of the months that you haven't quite hit that number in a sense. Um, how how does accountability play in? Uh, with you and, and uh, you know, when you're setting those goals or if you maybe fall short of those goals, um, what does your accountability process look like? 
it's all on me. There's, there's no one here that can prevent me from hitting my goal except for myself. Um, you know, when I look back on some of these months that, uh, I didn't hit my goal. What, what could I have done better? I could have stayed an extra hour or two mm-hmm. you know, uh, on my shift. I could have, uh, got someone involved more, you know, earlier in the process or, or had a, you know, a salesman take a turn for me or something like that. There, you know, I, I, there's definitely things I, I reflect on and think about what I could have done or what I should have done in that. But, uh, Never once when I didn't hit my goal, do I think it was the store's fault or, or management's fault or anything like that. It's all on me. Yeah. That's a, that's a good way to look at it. I mean, yeah, you're the one that's setting the goals. You're accountable, I guess, for the outcome. Obviously, you know, there are some of the uncontrollables that uh, might factor in, but at the end of the day, you know, we're, we set those goals with the, with the mindset that we can achieve them. Right. Yeah, they may be hard or they might be uh, quite the challenge, but, you know, I don't think any of us would set a goal that we don't believe or intend to hit, right? Mm-hmm. So um, thanks for that. Uh, no other questions really for me. Thanks awesome. for your time, Dusty. And You're the good man. work out there, man. Keep okay. it up. All right. Thanks. Keep moving metal. <laughs>